We have a very special treat for you today. In January, I went to the pastor's luncheon and I had the opportunity to meet uh, Reverend Starlin Garnett, and it was wonderful to meet him and get to hear about his ministry. He has been visiting the United States, and during this time, he's been going to different churches in the Montgomery Baptist Association and different churches, and he's been learning a lot of things. When he came to our church a couple of weeks ago, we had the opportunity to have him come and just simply <coughs> share our greetings from his church to us. And so today he is coming to preach for us. Would you please stand and wel welcome Starling as he comes and shares the word of God. Are you excited this morning? Let's pray. Our righteous Father, we thank you. I commit this time of fellowship into your precious hands. I pray, Father, that you will speak through me. You will bring clarity, precision, and accuracy to your people as your word come forth this morning. Thank you, Righteous Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Good morning, friends. I trust that every one of you are doing okay. Well, I consider it a great privilege this morning to bring to you the Word of God. I want to thank the Heavenly Father for such an opportunity. I also like to thank Dr. Lee and his wife, and the entire leadership of this great church. This morning, I bring you greetings from my wife and our entire family and church back home in Liberia. This morning, I will be sharing with you a very important message that is dear to my heart. Dear to my heart because it has become a vital principle for living for me. And I titled it Mastery Over Fear. If you look in your bulletin, in your handout, I asked some rhetorical questions, which I will repeat. What if I tell you? that you can live in this world without fear. Are you aware that we have been delivered from fear? Do you know that fear is not a creator of God or it's not a creature of God? God did not create fear. Do you know that fear, stands to be corrected, has killed more people than the actual situation that they may be faced with? Friends, do you know that the life, that the spirit you now possess is not the spirit of fear? Do you know that fear 
has the same force as faith in the reverse, meaning what faith accomplishes in the positive side, fear accomplishes in the negative side. But the good news I have for you this morning is that in Christ Jesus, we have been empowered to live above fear. Now, the word mastery implies having skills and a knowledge, what I call a working knowledge over a particular situation, activity, or circumstances. Now, as their working knowledge, so mastery over fear would mean having a working knowledge over fear. I didn't just say a knowledge, I said a working knowledge. There is a difference between having knowledge and having a working knowledge. Example, everybody in this room knows that planes fly. Am I right? But does everybody in this room know how to fly a plane? No. Only the pilot. So, fear is such a force that it has paralyzed many lives. Some are living in fear of the unknown, not wanting to try new things or take a step in a new direction only because they don't know how people will perceive them. Some are so afraid to make mistakes in life that the very things they are afraid of are the very things that happens to them. Like Job, in Job chapter, in Job chapter 3, verses 25, Job will say, the thing I fear the most are the things that have come upon me. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verses number 15. I'll anchor scripture and I'll read from the NIV version. Romans chapter 8, verses 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Alba, Father. Friends, this scripture is loaded with revelation that, if understood, will give us mastery over fear. The spirit we received at conversion is not the spirit of slavery. What does that mean? It means at conversion, we possess a spirit that does not lead us into slavery. Fear is bondage. Fear is slavery. Fear torments. Fear opens the door to all kinds of oppression, depression, and suppression. 
Do you know that living in fear opens the door to sickness and disease? Our heavenly father, like I said, is not the creator of fear. In fact, I say that fear is the coffin of the living. I repeat, fear is the coffin of the living. Many are trapped in fear while they are still alive. Isn't it interesting that whenever you read the Bible and whenever there was an angelic visitation to man on earth, the angels will always say, fear not. Because divinity has come to understand that man lives in fear. Nations go to war because of fear. Economy crash because of fear. Lives are destroyed because of fear. Now, do you also know that people are duped because of fear? Let me give you a practical example. You walk into a store, and the salesmen are trained enough to instill fear in you to make you buy. You say, you know what? This item is the last on the market. And in fact, this is the best price you can ever get here. You can get it anywhere. And well, because you are afraid that the item is going out of the market and that's the best price you can ever receive, you buy the particular item. And when you go to the next store, you find out that the very same item the guy told you that was the last, it's all there. Within a lesser price. What you were just do? Why? Because of fear. He painted a picture of scarcity to engender fear in you to collect your money. Fear, in quote, is big time business. But today I want us to to look at this. The apostle. In the scriptures we just read, it's comparing and contrasting two kinds of spirit. The spirit we possessed before we got saved, and the spirit we now possess after we are saved. Do you know that many believers are still living in an erroneous identity of themselves? They still do not understand what spirit they are made of. They still keep identifying themselves with spirit that they are not made of. And that's why they are experiencing the things that they are experiencing. The spirit we have received is a spirit of adoption, or what I call the spirit of sonship. Now let's look at the word adoption. The word adoption is the concatenation of two Greek words and heals and stisa. And heals means a son and stisa means a placement. So basically, it is combined together, the placing of a son. Now, the word adoption in our day and time has taken on a bit of new dimension as it was used in Greco-Roman time. 
Now, let me just give it brief. In Greco-Roman days, when the Apostle Paul employed the word adoption, parents or fathers carried on the adoption ceremony for not just an adopt, not just a child outside, but even their own biological children to validate that this child has come of age and this child can represent me at the gates. So the carry on the adoption ceremony, they put a rope on the guy, and the father will say, this is my son, he cannot represent me at the gate. Friends, we are not the tolerated children of God. We are the adopted children of God. Now, he says, for we have received the spirit of adoption, which cry out, Abba, Father. Now, the word Abba was a word that only a son could call his father. A slave was not permitted to call the father Abba, Father, because it was an intimate. That's why, I, 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 I mean, if you studied the, 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 the Jews, they don't normally use the word Abba, Father, because to use the word Abba, Father, it means you have a very intimate relationship with God. In Jesus' mighty name. Why is it important? So the apostle is comparing the relationship of a son to that of a slave. And I want to pass across to you this morning that we should not approach God from a slave master position which engenders fear. We should approach God from a father-son relationship which engendered love. This is what Jesus will say. He says in John chapter 8, verses 35, he says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family but his son. So because the slave knows that he does not have a permanent place in the house, he is motivated by fear, fear that he can be kicked out at any time. But the good news is we are not slaves. We are sons. We cannot be kicked out. It is our Father's house. He is interested in us. He loves us in Jesus' mighty name. Now, let me just give us, what is the origin of fear? In Genesis chapter number 3, verses 8 to 11, I read NIV. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the tree of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, Where are you? Now, wait a minute. Isn't it ironic that man is hiding behind the tree that was created by God to hide from God? Man is hiding behind a tree. Man, a creator, I mean a creature of God, hiding behind a creature of God to hide from God. And God called out, where are you? It was not that God um, needed the glasses to see where man was or he needed the police to call. I'm searching for him. Can I put a 911 call? No, God knew exactly where he was. 
See where you are. See what you have fallen from. He answered, number 10, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. I was afraid. The question is, when did Adam become afraid of the voice of God? It was not the voice of God that made him afraid. It was what he did that engenders fear in him that made him afraid of the voice of God. He partook of a knowledge contrary to who he was made of. He accepted an inferior identity of himself. You are not like God. So he agreed that he was not like God. And by agreeing that he was not like God, he became aware and conscious of all the limitations and all the challenges around him. So instead of him being conscious of his heaviness and spiritual position, he became conscious of his earthly limitation. And fear creeps in. So the origin of fear is the result of the fall. So now fear became the dominant force that constituted my life all through. Fear, like I said, is the construct of slavery. When you are afraid, you are a slave. So this morning, let's look at how do we exercise mastery over fear. If you look in your bulletin, Number one, I said, understand the spirit he has given us. We have received the spirit of adoption. We have received the spirit of adoption. It's not the spirit that engenders fear. It's not the spirit that engenders fear. So I spoke on, I spoke a bit about Genesis chapter 8, and then I'm going to deal with 2 Timothy chapter 1 in our next point. Number two, mastery of fear now, acknowledging the blank there, acknowledging every good thing in you, in Christ Jesus. Philemon, Philemon only has one verse, so Philemon's just one six. I read, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. Most times, what causes fear in people is the fact that they are acknowledging the wrong things. Whatever you acknowledge either builds fear in you or it builds faith in you. 
And that scripture says that faith is acknowledging every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Because remember, you are in Christ and Christ is in you. So you are to acknowledge what is in you in Christ Jesus. Like the Bible will say in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So guess what? Whenever you feel powerless, you are not acknowledging that the spirit you possess is a spirit of power. The believer in Christ is not powerless in Jesus' mighty name. Now, just on the side, back home, I used to run a radio program, and this guy listened to me one, and he called me. And he was at the last stage of his kidney problem. He was about to, I mean, he was passing on because the hospitals had given up on him. The doctors were just washing him to just pass on now. His stomach was fine. And he heard me on the radio, and he came follow me, and he called me, and I said, come to our church. And this guy has been, fear has grabbed him to the point that he could no longer believe. At that junction, I didn't just pray with him. I said, listen to me, sit in the service, just keep coming. He kept coming. He kept coming one month. He kept, I, I, I forgot about him there. Intentionally, I just left him there, and the guy got coming. And guess what? After two months, he gave a testimony. He said he went home, and his wife looked at him and said, your stomach, I mean, when you have liver problem, I don't know, medical practitioner, your stomach expand. His stomach went down, and the wife said, you are not taking your medication again. He said, yeah. He said, but go and find out from the hospital what's happening to you because you look healthy. The longest shot of it is that he went to the hospital. The doctor checked him, said, the same doctor said, listen, I'm confused because I'm the one that treated you. I'm the one that put you on the medication, but I'm not seeing no trace of labor problem at all. He said, go and check to another hospital. He went and checked, same thing. This guy is, has been permanently healed from kidney problem. He's working. I mean, he didn't work for more than five years. His wife was the one working. Now he's actively working in Jesus' mighty name. So we are not powerless. The spirit we possess is the spirit of, of power in Jesus' mighty name. You see, for me, this message is not just a sermon. It is a vital principle for living. This has been a message that has kept me going in the midst of all the challenges we face back home. You don't want to imagine on Sunday morning you come to the church and teeth has broken into the place because maybe uh, it's not well secured, it's not well brick, I mean built, and they partner with all the equipment, and my wife is looking at me. So what are you going to do? I said, thank God the chairs are still available. I'm going to preach. And people come and preach, and she said, you know some, You preach more powerfully than without a PA system than when you had a PA system. I said, thank you. I mean, lack of anything is not going to cause me to start panicking because I understand the principle. Once you open the doors to fear, every other thing comes in like a floggate. Number three, trust in their ability 
of the Father to take you to life. Trust in the ability of the Father to take you to life. You see, friends, trust is very important. In fact, let me just shock you. There is a slack difference between trust and faith. Let me explain that. Faith, the Bible says, comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So faith can come by third-party knowledge, meaning I can engender faith in you this morning because you hear the word of God from me, you heard it from Pastor Lee, and faith can get into you. But that's not trust. Trust is a product of a personal encounter and a relationship. Let me give you an example. I read a story about a young boy and a guy who walk on rope, a tight rope. I don't know if you know that. The rope between, they put the rope between the mountain and someone walk on it. And this guy was extremely good. And one day, he and he and a little boy had a conversation and encounter. And he asked the little boy, he said, can I walk across the mountain? The boy said, sure, you can do it. Why? Because the little boy knows that the guy is very good. He has heard about the guy. Then the guy asked another question. Can I put you on my back across the mountain? He said, no. You, you can't do that. Now, guess what? He trusts in the guy's ability to go across the mountain. But he doesn't trust the guy's ability to take him along with him. And that's how many of us are. So, if we must have mastery over fear, we must trust in God's ability to take us through life. In Psalms, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses number 5, he says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Your own understanding implies that you are depending on your own abilities. He says in Psalms chapter 23, verses number 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For that art with me, the roll and the star, they comforted me. Now, catch the revelation here. Two things in this scripture. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Why will I fear no evil? Because the valley of shadow is the valley of shadow of death. And you and I know that no sound person is supposed to be afraid of a shadow. So the valley you're going through is just a shadow. It's not a substance. That's why you should not be afraid. And notwithstanding, he said, I will be with you in Jesus' mighty name. Lastly, number four, understands the depth and the weight and the height of God's love for you. Love is the master stroke that terminates all fear. Love is the master stroke that terminates all fear. Love is at two levels. There is vertical love and there is horizontal. Love between you and God and love between you and your fellow man. The Bible says we loved him because he first loved us. You, 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 you cannot love God without understanding the depths of his love for you. 
And you also cannot love your fellow man without understanding the depth of his love for you. In Jesus' mighty name. So how does the depths and the weight and the height of love eliminate fear? Now it is because you are aware of the Father's love for you that no matter the circumstance or the situation you are faced with, because you know he loves you, he will be willing to go the extra mile for you. Because you know, because you are aware of his love for you, there is nothing to fear. It's like my little daughter when she was a bit younger. Once I'm not around, she behaves herself because her mom doesn't take nonsense. Mom is a teacher, so she doesn't take nonsense. So she, she behaves herself when I'm not around. The moment I come to the house, she gets why? Because she knows that even if she's wrong, her dad will one way or the other protect her. You getting me? So when I'm around, she can step on any toes because she knows I'm around. And nobody dare touch her because I'm around. That's how our relationship with our Heavenly Father is. Because he loves us, we should have confidence at all times that he will show up. Let me conclude with a story I came across. I learned that this is a true story that happens in Armenia. I'll just read it and I'm done. He said, in the year 1988, a man named Samuel and his wife, Danila, sent their young son, Amel, Ahmed, off to school. Samuel squatted before his son and looked him in the eyes and said, have a good day at school. And remember, no matter what, I will always be there for you. The hawk and the boy ran off to school. Hours later, a very powerful earthquake rocked the area. In the midst of the chaos and the confusion, both Samuel and his wife, Daniel, tried to find out what has happened to their son, but they could not get any information. The radios and televisions were announcing that there was thousands of casualties. Samuel then grabbed his coat and headed to the schoolyard. When he reached the area, he saw what he saw brought tears to his eyes. Ahmed, his son's school, had been reduced to a pile of debris. There was no other parent around who was also not crying aloud for the unaccountability of their children. In their depression, hopelessness, and helplessness, Samuel located the place where his son Ahmed's classroom was, and he began to pull out the broken beans and piles of rambles. Then he grabbed a rock and put it to another side, and then grabbed another one. One of the parents looked at him and asked, what are you doing? Digging for my son, he says. The man then said, you are just making things worse. The building is unstable. And he tried to pull Samuel away from his walk, but Samuel just kept working on. As times wore on, and one by one, the other parents left. Then a volunteer rescue worker 
tried to pull Samuel away from the rumble. Samuel looked at him and said, Wouldn't you help me? Unfortunately, the worker also left. But Samuel kept digging in hope of finding his son Amen. All through the night and into the next day, Samuel continued to dig. Most parents had given up hope, placed flowers and pictures of their children on the rooms. But Samuel kept working. In the process of time, he picked a beam and pushed it out of the way. And then he heard a faint cry from a distance saying, help, help, help. Someone listening with excitement and hope, but didn't hear anything again after that. As he continued with the deacon, he heard a muffled voice, Papa. With this, Samuel continued digging furiously. Finally, when he saw his son, Samuel said to him, Come on out, son. He said with an excitement and emotion of tears and joy. But Ahmed, his son, said, No, Papa. Let the other kids come out first because I know you will get me. Children after children emerged until finally Ahmed appeared. Filled with emotions of tears and joy, satisfaction and accomplishment, Samuel took his son in his arm and kept kissing him. With a smile on his face, little Ahmed looked into his father's eyes and said, Papa, I told the other kids not to worry because you told me that you will always be there for me. Fourteen children were saved that day because one little child count on the assurance of his father's promise of being there for him. Friends, the father will always be there for you. No matter what you go through, no matter the circumstance you face with, no matter the location, he will always be there for you. He is more interested in you succeeding in life, in you living in wholeness, soundness, than you are. God bless you. Let's close in prayer.